0: You're listening to the Geek with Andry podcast. Thank you. Welcome to the Geek With Envy podcast. This is episode number 8, and I am your wonderful host, Richard Vincenti Jr. Thank you once again so much for joining us as we roll on into another Geek With Envy podcast episode. So here we are, and wow, we are a week in from where we were last week, and uh... Well, geez, we've got some bad news, let's put it that way. I did allude to, well, we did discuss some, well, possible discoveries on Mars, and, well, it looks like we're not going to get any anytime soon. Uh, Yeah, kind of a big bummer, right? That's the big news, at least for me, in the last week. I was really, really excited about uh, this NPR report that we got there was going to be some major revelations some major discoveries done on uh, coming from mars something awesome something earth-shaking something that was going to be written for the, written in the history books something that our children would go wow you were alive when they discovered you know great grandchildren would go oh wow you were alive when that was discovered that's amazing mm. not so much not so much the big nasa discovery on mars well, it was nothing. It turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. Apparently, it was a giant misunderstanding. At least that's what they're saying. But oh, what a mess! What a mess! The thing is, we really didn't hear a whole lot about this. You hear a lot about this. Is what happens. This is exactly what happens. We we you hear a, a ton about big discoveries possibly coming, and it's all over the news, and everybody's talking about it, and there's a lot of buzz. And then, and then, if it's recanted, we don't hear anything about it. It's like, well, what happened to all that news? What, what's going on? So, I had to, you know, I was reading through a bunch of stuff and and going all over the web. I've been following up with NASA on this and NPR and trying to follow closely. And finally, the word comes out: that there's no discovery. There's a big mix-up. Uh, they say that. It was more about the mission as a whole being historic, not necessarily one particular aspect, one discovery that they found. They're hoping to find more historic things. It's just, it's a mess. But basically what it boils down to is that there was supposedly some kind of miscommunication. Uh, something didn't translate in the interview that... uh Science correspondent Joe Palka and scientist John Grozinger had, apparently they were, there was some kind of issue there and and, uh, it's very unfortunate because what it means for us is that we're not going to have any news coming from Mars that's, well, earth shaking. Anyway, I guess we'll just have to wait, I mean... They are up there. The good thing is that the mission is continuing on. It's successful. It's been successful. They've landed. They're driving around. They're collecting data. And that's the good thing. They are up there. We are pushing science forward. We are discovering things. But a little bit of a letdown, to say the very least, uh, on the whole Mars situation. So, But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I guess we'll just have to wait a little longer. Other news going on out there. We have uh, iTunes 11 showing up now. It has finally arrived. And I've had a chance to use it. I went through, I, I checked it out. I really, really like the new look. It looks great, actually. It's uh, very simplistic. It fits with Apple's culture and how they do things. And it works well. Now, let me just say this I want to go on record as saying that I am not the biggest iTunes user. I have iTunes, it's a necessary evil, I believe, it's, I, I, I want to say that this is, iTunes 11 is better, but I'm not a real big fan of iTunes, really, at all, and in the fact that I, I just didn't use it a whole lot, I mean, I kind of felt forced to use it because I knew it was, I don't know, I guess it was the best of what we have, in a lot of ways, for what it does, I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, as far as buying music and downloading music and maintaining your library, maybe it's not even so much that that it works that well f- for what we needed as much as it's because I think that's part of the reason I don't like it actually. I think it's more or less that we were all kind of, uh, we all had iPods and early, you know, we were adopted to it quite early on, and we we're stuck with it. Right, all of our our music is is in iTunes. It's in the library. It's all converted for iTunes, it works the way it works, and it's been in there forever, and we don't want to migrate our libraries. I I think that's what the big thing is, the big reason most of us continue to use iTunes. It's not terrible, I don't want to say it's the worst thing ever, it's just something that I don't use all that often, but when I do buy a song, I am going to go to iTunes. When I get a gift card for iTunes, I do appreciate that, I I'll use it it's not something i absolutely despise using it's just not one of my top applications that i use all the time but that said i did go into iTunes 11 and i was pretty happy with what i saw and there were a few things that were added that i really liked uh including the ability to save your place you can now pause any movie podcast tv show like this one uh iTunes u lesson or audiobook and pick up where you left off on any device, which is really cool. I like that. It's like basically putting your uh, your bookmark in there, walking away, and picking it up elsewhere. There is a new mini player. The redesigned mini player is really cool. I like the idea of having uh, your up next to see what's coming, your next title, your next song that's showing up in the list. It'll tell you what's going to be playing next. It's got uh, it's it's a nice little mini player. I like that. A uh, uh, kind of uh, out of the way thing that you can keep on the desktop if you'd like uh, but still there so you can have some control over your music I, I like that the new design is really slick I like uh, the graphic it's very graphic heavy and very pretty looking uh, it's got a really nice look to the redesign at first it actually made me feel weird I, I opened it up and was like oh uh, this is weird I mean it is a big change I, I felt like, uh, I, I mean, I'm like I'm gonna have to look at this for a second because stuff is moved and initially we all kind of freak out, you know, we're like, oh, wait, 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 where was, where's my stuff? Where, where's that? Oh, okay. And then slowly started to come together. I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's hidden. A lot of things are uh, not hidden in a bad way. They're not like out of reach and you'll ever find them, but they're like tucked away in the corner, like nice and clean. And uh, I like it. I like it. It's very, it, it's a very simplistic look. It has a very clean look. And uh, the thing that I use iTunes for the most is what shines through, and that is the content, the media, the stuff that I want to get to is front and center, and all the other garbage, if you want to call it that, is out of the way, and I always like that. Anytime that that uh, simple is good for me, you know, In, in these kinds of situations, there are certain applications that need to be complicated, because, well, not complicated, but they have a lot of things that we need to use on them, and they need to be easily accessible through the UI. This is one of those applications where it's like, we know what the main tasks are that we're going to be doing, and we just need to focus on those, and the rest of the stuff can just stay out of the way. And iTunes 11 does that. I was very happy to see that. The preview history is really nice. That actually is a big deal, because there are a lot of times when I am browsing through music, and I will sample things, and I will kind of get sample crazy, and I'll go through and I'll play a bunch of st- uh, clips from all kinds of different stuff. And, and then I'll go, wait, what was that second one? that? Because that was pretty cool. I, I, I really, That one I like. I want to go back to that one. And then I think about it, I'm like, man, I can't remember what the heck it was. And before you know it, I'm like, man, I'm scratching my head. I can't figure it out. Maybe an hour, two hours, or maybe half a day goes by. And then I'll remember. Maybe if I'm lucky. Well, having a history of what I've been listening to is really nice. And now I won't have to, it takes the mystery out of everything. So that was another cool feature um, that iTunes 11 has. So you can see already it's, it's starting to work for me. You know, I'm like, geez, these things are, this has features I actually care about. And it actually is not a terrible redesign. Everything seems really well done. The other thing I didn't even notice when I got into the application until later, in fact, uh it's thanks to Mac rumors that I found this at all but you can now take a photo a photograph of your iTunes store gift card to redeem it which is really nice that's actually a slick little feature that really did not get a whole lot of recognition I didn't see anything about it on the front page uh, at apple.com or anything like that so I was like wow that's a that's a really cool feature having to type in that long code and I don't know if you've done that or if you've messed that up a few times you probably would understand why it would be nice to take a photo of it so a lot like the way we can take pictures of our checks now we can take pictures of these uh these gift card codes for the iTunes store so you figure if they can do something like that with a check which is I would imagine be far more complicated they can definitely do it with gift cards, and I would like to see a universal adaptation of that on multiple services, just not just iTunes. So I think it would be cool to have that for anything that we get a gift card for, a physical gift card. So wow, not bad at all. The iTunes 11 update, actually not bad. That is if you like iTunes now, I know a lot of us are kind of back and forth about it, and some of us, like me, I, I use it occasionally. When I do use it, I will be a little bit happier now. There are some features that I really like out of this release. One of the other applications that I do use a lot is Spotify. Uh, that thing is a home run for me, and being able to play and stream music is is awesome. And uh, just having to listen to a few advertisements here and there in between my playlist is absolutely awesome. I mean, it's not. That's probably one of my top. That is actually my top used. Music application is Spotify, and they're constantly improving it and as in the longer you use that application, the more it gets to know you as long as you're as long as you're checking things off and starring what you like and thumbing up things thumbs upping things that you do like, thumb down things that you don't like i mean you really it really does get to know you quite well, and it keeps putting up songs that i'm I, I never even heard of but I like so i mean it's it's getting really well. Spotify is one of those things that gets better with age, as you continue to use it, and my library is is uh, pretty much perfect on that thing. So Spotify, that's awesome. Now, if iTunes could do something like that, or have it, that would be incredible, right? But uh, anyway, iTunes 11, the update, my verdict, awesome. They did some good work on this one. Good release. So hopefully we. Hopefully we can see uh, continue to see improvements with iTunes. Hopefully I won't I don't know though. I I might just continue to despise it <laughs> because I I I'm just trained that way now. That's just how I work now with iTunes. I've had such a so many years with it and just being frustrated, but this is nice. This is a little nice. The Mists of Pandaria patch 5.1 is has gone live and that would be nicknamed landfall so world of warcraft fans including myself definitely uh definitely enjoy these patches even though we kind of hate patch day but we do we do like to have new content we don't always appreciate all the changes to our classes and things like that but you know we've been doing this for how many years now about eight years so it comes with the territory uh well some of us eight years So we know what we're getting into, but it's always nice to have new content. And uh, with this one, we've got quite a bit. This is a pretty good release. We've got the new Brawler's Guild, which entry into the Brawler's Guild is by invitation only. Invitations can be found on the Black Market Auction House by invitation from somebody within the guild. And occasionally as drops from Horden Alliance NPCs. You'll be able to fight challenging bosses one-on-one in fighting rings for special achievements and awesome-looking gear. So it's, uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Two new factions. You can obtain special rewards and mounts with the two new factions introduced in 5.1. Operation Shield Wall, which is the alliance, and Dominance Offensive, which is the horde. There are all new scenarios including Carcerang Wilds and a Little Patience, Dagger in the Dark and Domination Point for the Horde. You have pet battle, uh, pet battles, new wild pets to capture, a more polished pet battle UI, a new pet tamer with daily quests, a new item has been introduced that can be used to upgrade the quality of battle pets. Uh, they are called battle stones. So that's pretty cool. They're making uh, pet battles a little bit deeper, refining it a little bit. We're going to see, uh, I don't know, if you guys get, had a chance to get into pet battles. They're pretty cool. I don't know if you're into that or not. But uh, if you haven't tried it, I would at least try it. I mean, it's, it's a new feature, right? It's pretty cool. And they're making it better. That's what they tend to uh, do with these new features. They hone them in, clean them up a little bit, People start using them, we get the feedback from them on the forums, and then they work with it, tweak it, and that's what they're doing here in 5.1. Of course, with every patch release, we're seeing bug fixes. And I did put a complete list up on geekwithenvy.com. I will go ahead and go through those uh some of these bug fixes for you right now, actually, in the podcast, so you don't have to so you don't have to look them up if you don't want to. The effect of PvP power on healing will now appear correctly on the character sheet. I know that's been a problem that I've actually seen people in forums complaining about. Swooping plains hawks no longer use abilities from the bird of prey hunter pet family. They fixed an issue that could cause crops to fail to appear when players entered Sunsong Ranch while several hundred yards up in the air. Players who have learned the terrible turnip pet can now continue to find ominous seeds when harvesting cooking ingredient crops. Class has also got uh, some bug fixes. The responsiveness of many abilities and effects have been improved, including Renewing Mist, Halo, Rogue, Poisons, Revealing Strike, rhyme, Killing Machine, Maelstrom Weapon, Sudden Doom, uh, Ultimatum, Scent of Blood, Crimson Scourge, and Sudden Death should all be much smoother now. The following spells now display less intense visual effects for other players. Hellfire, Death and Decay, Hurricane, Astral Storm, and Explosive Trap. Now this has been something that's been going back and forth for many different patches since this game has been released, since World of Warcraft has come out. They'll introduce effects, they'll change them, they'll make them look better, they'll be a little brighter, they'll be a little more bang to them. And then they'll kind of draw it back. And then as players get into raids and stuff and they start blowing things up and you just see all of this stuff come together on the screen, uh, which some people love that and some people hate that. And especially if you have uh, a very, (laughs) if you have trouble with your graphics card as it is, and now these effects are like 10 times what they used to be, that can also really upset people. You can cause lag and all these other issues. So it's one of those things like we want things to look cool, but you know, Maybe it's too much or who knows what, but, uh, they go, they've gone back and forth on that quite a bit. And actually the other major thing that they go back and forth on all the time is, uh, sound, you know, I remember death and decay had a certain sound and then they took it out and then they changed it and now it's back. It's like, uh, I don't know, I guess certain things annoy people or, or what, but, um, again, they've, they've, uh, kind of toned it down again with visual effects on some of these other things that that I thought were actually pretty cool, but then again, we don't, you know. There's there's our situations where you're trying to, you get into a raid and you have a ton of stuff going off at once, and apparently this will help that out a little bit, maybe reduce some of the lag for some of the other people out there, and uh, maybe maybe people are having seizures. I don't know, <laughs> epileptic seizure. I guess you shouldn't be playing now, uh, uh, <laughs> raiding games like World of Warcraft. Or any games. If I don't think you're supposed to be playing any video games if you have epilepsy, but um, maybe maybe some people are able to tolerate it, and this is just too much. I don't know. Uh, earthquake sound effect is now quieter. There you go. We've got uh, the sound coming down a little bit. It's a little too loud. You're blowing my headphones out, man. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the, some of these things I think can be adjusted or should be able to be adjusted more in the in the user menus inside your game, you know, instead of having just have to remove them in a patch. I mean, why can't we just have them go balls out in the patch and then if you want, personally, you can draw them back. Wouldn't that wouldn't that seem to make more sense? Just kind of have like an effects slider, you know, and just kind of go, okay, how much effects do I want? Do I how, how do I do I want to hear all the sounds? So I think really that fixing or adjusting these things in the patch, I think is kind of silly. I think there should be more control per user. So if I want to experience a full you know, uh, hellfire or death and decay effect, then I should be able to do that. And if the guy next to me doesn't like that, then he can turn it down. Why are we just you know, squashing it for everybody? So maybe that's something they can implement in the future. If there's anybody from Blizzard listening, I'm, I don't know if that's an option or if that's a possibility, but it would be cool to have some kind of slider, something that we can adjust that per user and because uh, I don't know why we would have to tone it down for everybody. all specs all spells that cause forbearance can no longer be applied simultaneously, so that's obviously a fix that uh, was necessary a glitch there. Hunters are seeing some changes the snare provided by ice trap is now more responsive when enemies enter or leave the area of effect and it is effective or and it is effective more closely and matches more closely the visual effect okay so basically what they're saying is the area of effect uh matches the visual effect which a lot of the times uh, is quite frustrating because you lay down whatever spell you're laying down and you expect the enemy looks like he's standing in it or whoever's looks like they're standing in it but they're not being affected by that so it's important to have that visual uh, aspect match up with the actual effect, so we can have some idea where this spell is casting and, and what area uh, it's actually affecting so that's nice when they can really clean that up. Lock and Load will now activate correctly when Ice Trap is triggered by an immune target as long as the susceptible target is within the area of effect. Uh, Let's see, we got some other issues here. We got Mages, they fixed the Glyph of Icy Veins that would prevent all three bolts from firing. Which is, uh, I would say that's just a little problem. Warlocks, uh, the Felguard and Wrathguard pet ability threatening presence will no longer be auto-cast by default. Pandemic no longer smooths the damage when extending dots with different amounts of spell power, warriors execute damage with high amounts of venge- uh, high amounts of vengeance is now capped at the warrior's maximum health to prevent it from reaching excessive numbers. Professions banquet of the steamer and great banquet of the steamer now correctly provide intellect to damage based casting classes. Healers will continue to gain spirit from these foods so As always, for complete patch notes, you can head over to us.battle.net, and they have the 5.1 landfall patch notes, so you can always go over those in complete detail. But uh, yeah, that kind of just glosses over, and we did post a little information on that. We try to keep up on these kinds of things because we know they're important, and if you're on Facebook and you happen to see a post pop up or something like that, and you may not have known about the patch, or maybe you did, but get a recap for it right here on geekwithenvy.com. All right, so we've got another featured app. We started the feature app a couple a uh, couple days ago, about a week ago now, and we're going to continue to crank those out as quickly as we can. I do find myself using a lot of different applications, and heck, I might as well go ahead and uh, throw them up. They're the ones that I really like. So, we've been doing that, we've got uh, Smart Aliens, which is a cool game, Uh, we threw up there on November 28th, Smart Aliens is like a a hangman-like game that you can play with your friends through Facebook, or three random people from all over in real time. At first you might think, okay, it's a hangman game, no big deal, right? No, this is actually really cool, this game is way better. You first pick an alien avatar, which is cool because you could be an alien. Uh, Then you choose to play in arena mode or dual mode. In arena, you will be asked to make your bet amount. Rookie Arena 5 gold, Gambler's Arena 10 gold and Psychopath Arena 15 gold. Inside you are joined with three other actual players no CPU. The game will give you a category and letters to choose. You must choose carefully. Once you lose all your lives, you lose your bet twice. The game's gold coins are used in the shop to buy bots, different avatars, traps, and meta kits. These things will help while in the arena with other players to make sure that you win by taking lives away from them or refilling your life. The avatars are are really cool. Some of them are expensive. They kind of do this stuff on purpose. I'm sure you know how the app game works now. Everything is just a little bit out of reach. Uh, But the application is really cool. It has a lot of modes. It has dual mode, arena mode. It works with Facebook. Again, there's traps. You can trap your opponents with lightning or the psycho keyboard or kidnapping. You have superpowers. You can upgrade your alien to reveal letters at the beginning of a round, block lightning, or resurrect them from death. So it's a really cool game. It's available in the App Store. You can go to the website at uh, www.smartaliens.com, and it's only a dollar ninety nine. So it's a good buy. It's a solid app. Uh, my wife has been playing it; she's been really enjoying it. So yes, featured app, Smart Aliens. Check that thing out if you're into that kind of thing. Also, we have a uh, another review that we threw up there. We're also going to be doing some product reviews. I mentioned that earlier in a different uh, podcast that I would be getting some products in to, to test out for you. One of the first products I got was the Samsung Galaxy Rush, and this is—you uh, may or may not have heard of this phone—but this is a really cool phone. And let me let me explain why. It's a—it is a budget phone. Let's so start out by saying that the Samsung Galaxy Rush is an is absolutely a budget phone. But here's where we're at today with cell phones. We have long-term contracts. Cell phones are a huge business. They're very expensive. They can be very expensive. A lot of these plans are extremely expensive. You have to pay for the data. You got to pay for the phone. In some cases, you get the phone free, but then you'll have to pay a huge, or you'll have to stick with a huge contract, which means you're stuck with this company for two years, right? And and, they're, and again, their plans are can be expensive. Well, it's nice to have an alternative. Sometimes, not not everybody wants to play the game. And some people are just happy with what they... They just want to be happy with a month-to-month contract, or whatever you want to call it, a month-to-month uh, type phone service. Some people may not even be able to get the two-year contract phones. Maybe you don't have good credit. Maybe you just don't want to spend that much. Maybe you can't spend that much. There has to be something out there for these people, for people who don't want to participate in this whole contract game, but they want to have a nice phone still. And I think we're far enough along now, and smartphones have been around long enough that everybody should have something that just works. At the very least, it just works, and they have a smartphone, something that can be actually considered a smartphone, because when you get into the budget area, of cell phones you're talking about some pretty gruddy stuff out there and yes i'm talking about the boxes the phones in boxes that are hanging on the shelf at stores inside stores in the electronics section you know right next to the uh track phones and go phones yeah those are the phones we're talking about those are budget phones and if you notice there's a few phones over there that are a hundred dollars or more and these are considered the higher end budget phones, if that's uh, the best way I can describe them. And out of those phones, very few of them would be considered actually smartphones, and some of them function quite terribly. And I gotta tell you, I did not have high hopes when I got one. But I did receive a Samsung Galaxy Rush, and I absolutely have to say I was quite surprised. Uh, Its performance and its look are pretty solid. This is actually a cool little phone. First of all, it uh, yes, it is made of plastic, and it's not made out of aluminum and glass, and it's not this really fancy iPhone, but it's a budget phone, right? But it's not made horribly. It doesn't feel like a toy. It had a little bit of weight, but it actually felt solid. It doesn't feel like a toy. And that's one thing I appreciated about it. And the second thing about it is, yes, the screen does not have a super high resolution. We're not talking about retina display here. Okay, It's a budget phone. But it's not bad. It's a pretty good resolution. The phone on it is the screen resolution on this thing isn't that bad. I was actually quite surprised when I first saw it. Again, as a budget phone, my expectations were very low. I figured this thing wasn't going to be that great. But it's got 320 by 240 pixels. So it's not nowhere near HD, but it looks pretty good. The other thing about it is the touchscreen. A lot of these budget phones have a horrible touchscreen on them. They're super inaccurate, they don't support multi-touch, and some of them you have to use like your nail, I mean they're like really, they're super pressure based. You can't just glide your finger over them, I mean you have to actually physically push really hard to make the two surfaces make contact in order to get that touch signal to read. This phone, the Samsung Galaxy Rush, I did not have that problem with. You can you can just set your finger on ever so lightly and go ahead and swipe, and it will read that. It will register your touch. The other thing about it is is it does support multi-touch. Now, is it an iPhone? Does it have the touch, you know, like is it like an iPad? No, it's not. But it does work really well, and it does support multi-touch, and it works. It just works. Typing on this thing, not that bad at all. Fairly accurate. About as a, I'm, I was pretty much as accurate as I am on an iPhone or uh, you know something similar to that, or any other Android device, a Galaxy. And actually, uh, it, it's more. It's actually easier to relate this to a Galaxy, considering it's from the same type of family. And uh, as far as typing goes and getting text out there, it works. It it's just fine. You'll find it that it, the touch screen is sensitive enough that you will uh, shouldn't have any problems using it. The other thing is, it's obviously got uh, an accelerometer in it. It knows when you turn it sideways. That's always nice. That's a feature that's not in every budget phone. Does it have a horizontal keyboard? Yes it does. Does it have a vertical keyboard? Yes it does. And one of the major things about this phone, it runs Android. It runs Android 4.0. That's huge. And it does it well. It doesn't run it like crap, it runs it well. It wasn't that laggy. Actually, I, I hate to say it had any kind of lag because it was really a pretty solid experience. For me, I didn't have much lag at all. So, I mean, once the system comes up, you, the phone does take a while to boot. When you have to reset this thing or power it off or if it dies, you're gonna be there for a minute because initially loading the device or when it's loading or booting up, it does take a little while, but once this thing's up and running, the menu transitions are very smooth, I start an application, it opens within a reasonable amount of time, similar to that of uh, most other phones that I've used that were not budget phones. In fact, there are phones that were not budget phones that this probably outperformed, which is weird because this phone is not supposed to be that good, right? but it actually is a solid phone. Uh, it has a micro SD card slot on the side, which is nice. You don't have to go popping off the back to get to the SD card. It's super easy to put in and out, right? So really good. It's got a, uh, a headphone jack on it. It's got the familiar design uh, design features that you would expect in an Android phone from Samsung. You have your menu button, your home button, your back button, right there on the front it's got a decent camera that's probably where this thing falls short is the video and pictures that you take with this camera not so great I wasn't very impressed with the the photos at all actually so that's uh, something I wouldn't expect to be very good on this phone Uh, however everything else seemed to do very well in my tests. so a couple other features that uh, it has that I would consider if you're gonna consider something a smartphone by any stretch of the imagination you need to have a few basic features uh, like uh, the accelerometer, uh, your GPS ability, your Bluetooth, that's all included in this phone. Again, it has a Android 4.0 installed from the factory, you can obviously update that uh, using the update feature in the phone. It has a 1 GHz processor it's using the MSM eight six five five from Qualcomm, this phone also features a two gigabyte, uh, two gigabytes of ROM, seven hundred and sixty eight megabytes of RAM, and supports a maximum micro SD capacity of thirty two gigabytes. So there you go. It's a solid little phone. It's a solid budget phone. In fact, I would say this is probably one of the top budget phones out there. The Samsung Galaxy Rush. It's built to feel like a Galaxy, and that's exactly what it does. It feels a lot like a Galaxy phone. Now, it doesn't have this performance or the uh, visual, you know, the screen isn't that great. You're not getting an HD picture on this thing, but it definitely does what you would expect it to do. Overall, the biggest feature, again, uh, Android 4.0 I played a few games on there, I played Angry Birds, I played uh was it Happy Street and whatever we did a review on that. Um, and it worked out great, it loaded fine, the games played no problem, and actually there were times where I forgot that I was on that phone. So there you go. And it's that good uh for a budget phone. The phone operates off a 3.7 volt lithium-ion battery, which promises to keep you running for nine hours while in use and up to 14 hours on standby. And from what I saw, uh, of course, this is the initial testing, it does seem to stay charged for at least 10 hours, and that was with a split usage, uh, basically using it some of the time and letting it idle most of the time, which is how most people use their phone, and I was able to get 9 to 10 hours of battery life out of it. So right out of the box, full charge, uh, after a full charge, I should say, not right out of the box. I, I think it came half charged. And I went ahead and fully charged it for the recommended amount of time. And then after using it, I did uh, come up with about a 10-hour usage. And that was, again, 50-50. Probably more using than than letting it stand by, actually, because I was playing quite a few games on it. So I think 9-10 hours is pretty solid. So battery life on it, not bad. Again, stereo, Bluetooth, GPS... Oh, Wi-Fi, yeah that's a big one, you need to have that in a smartphone, it has Wi-Fi, so you can go ahead and uh, throw that on your home network, you don't even have to, if you just want the phone for Wi-Fi you can do that too I guess. Uh, and the other thing is it is the price. I mean this thing ranges from $99 to $150 at the top end. And you're getting a solid phone for the price. And keep in mind you don't have to, to sign any two year contract to get this. You pay $99 to $150 for this thing. Uh, depending on where you where you can find the deals i know black friday deals had this thing around 99 bucks on boost mobile you can get this thing uh anywhere probably find it on amazon or any other uh, mobile phone retailer from anywhere in that price range i would not pay more than 150 dollars for this phone if you are or you see a price that's over 150 you probably can get a deal somewhere else that's a little better but again for no contract and this phone is yours uh for 150 or less that's a, a a solid deal and if you're looking for a budget phone i would absolutely uh go to the Samsung Galaxy Rush first i would there's no doubt i would i would uh, mess around <laughs> uh it's a good phone the audio is not bad by the way phone calls we always forget about those what what the heck is a phone call what do we why would we use our smartphone for a phone call uh yeah the voice quality overall very good on the earpiece The uh, loudspeaker on the back, not so great. It is loud, Uh, I don't want to say that it's a terrible speaker, it's just not very clear. It distorts a little bit, Um, but it's extremely loud. So if you need to use it as an alarm clock or something, that's going to be no problem. As far as clarity goes and playing music back over it or whatever you're trying to do and have a conversation over it, not that clear. So overall, not a bad phone. You got an ice cream sandwich. You've got a, a a good touch screen. You've got Android this you know, you got your app store, your Google Play, so you can go through there and get access to all the apps that any other uh, Android device would have. It has good performance overall for a budget phone, it runs pretty smooth. It's a good deal. This phone's pretty good. It's overall a good buy. I like it. And it doesn't feel like a toy. Another uh, aspect about this phone, too, again, I can't go over this enough, is is you just don't need a long-term contract with it, so keep that in mind when you're looking at the prices on these things and when you're evaluating the performance for the bang for your buck, basically. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck and no long-term commitment. All right, so that is the Samsung Galaxy Rush, and... I also have another review which I will not be covering in this podcast. I will be saving it for the next podcast. I finally received my Universal Desktop Cradle for iPad. And I have a review uh, posted on geekwithenvy.com. And uh, if there's any revisions that need to be made to that, I will revise them in the coming days. But I will be including that review in podcast episode uh, number 9. All right. so. I'm gonna wrap it up here with one more, one more item on the list. Something pretty cool. We've been kind of bummed out. If you've been kind of bummed out and depressed about this whole NASA Mars discovery thing, well, hey, at least we've got some new discoveries happening right here on Earth. We've got something new going down with the future of memory, and I'm talking about flash memory here and this is directly from the website, we are beginning to realize the power of flash memory. Flash memory is fast, efficient, compact, and now it's becoming more affordable than it has ever been before. But it has a few limitations that we need to get past if we are going to continue to use it as our primary data storage solution. One of the major issues with flash memory is its relatively short lifespan. A typical flash device can only handle at best about a million cycles before it begins to stop functioning correctly. That's a huge problem especially if you're depending solely on flash memory to hold your data. Now this is something that I've recently gotten into this kind of territory. I've basically converted over to uh, my operating system and everything over to an SSD. Everything is on flash and I don't I have, eight, I have a traditional mechanical hard drive in my system, I have several of them actually, I even have a backup drive with, uh, that's uh, the traditional hard disk drive, but my main operating systems on almost everything I have now is on a solid state drive. I was just so impressed with the performance and when I started hearing that they become more reliable, I couldn't pass them up. I mean, they are the future, they are, they're amazing. But, like everybody, we have this fear. We keep hearing these things. Hey, well, they're not going to last very long. You're going to have to buy another one in a couple in a year, maybe. Maybe in a couple months. I don't know how much you use this thing, but you might, you're going to have problems a couple years down the line, you're going to have to spend another $200. Well, first thing, hopefully, they're not going to continue to be that expensive. Like I said earlier, they're starting to drop in price. They're becoming more affordable. That's a good thing. But the good news is, There is science out there uh, happening right now that's improving the lifespan of flash, which is exactly what we need. This is huge. This is awesome. Engineers at the Taiwan-based company Macronics have found that applying extreme heat to memory cells within NAND flash devices can bring previously unstable cells back to life. Temperatures used are around 800 degrees Celsius, that's that's roughly 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit, and could be applied in short bursts to jolt the life back into the cells. Current efforts have seen the flash cells surpass 100 million cycles. The engineers at Macronix are hoping to show off this self-healing flash memory at the next IEEE uh, or the International Electronics Devices meeting. But it's going to be some time before consumers will be able to get their hands on this new technology. But and it's a big but, it's here. They are figuring things out. They are making this happen. That is a huge thing. I have if there's anything that's going to happen in the world of uh electronics right now, I would love to hear that they are extending the lifespan of flash because I want flash to be more prevalent than ever and I want it to be more sustainable and I want it to last as long. I just want it to last as long as possible because I want to feel better about buying flash. I, I, I'm more confident now, obviously. I've, I've made some investment in it, but I want to feel better about it when I'm walking through the line. I want to know that I have plenty of time and plenty of read writes on my flash because we're all nervous about it and the industry is nervous about it and if it's any indication uh, if we just all we need to do is look at Apple products some of the new Apple products that were released they have uh, this new hard drive slash flash combination now where some of your core applications are put on the flash Well, the rest of it's stored on a traditional hard drive. Well, part of the reason they're doing that is because we just don't seem to fully want to commit to flash yet because we're trying to save as many read writes as possible. And that's great that we have it, but it's kind of silly. We need to have this technology just be solid. We need to be able to just say, hey, this is our primary drive and we can trust it for at least five years or however many writes, a hundred million, a hundred million cycles. That is a huge improvement. That's massive, going from 1 to 100. Yes, that's huge. So big news there, big developments. I'm really happy about this. I can't wait for this to become available. Uh, I hope they just hone in this technology. And yes, anything to make Flash better, because I am. A, I love Flash. I, I, I'm hu- a big fan, big fan of Flash, Um, and I want to see it move forward I want to see the technology get better and it looks like we're finally approaching that that point now so kind of you can almost see the natural progression of things you know you have hard drives and then we see uh, a flash introduced into the market it's really expensive though only a few people have it then we start making actual hard drives out of the stuff and then people slowly adopt but it's still expensive and then Price comes down a little, and we realize the benefits. So then they do a 50-50 thing. Then all of a sudden, Flash gets really good, and then we just maybe convert to Flash all the way. So I don't know. Will Flash be perfect in every situation? I don't necessarily think so. Could we be looking at a, a, an all-Flash architecture and everything? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how that's going to progress and how quickly that will happen. I think that. The traditional hard drive is still extremely useful and it's been around for a very long time and the technology works very well. And as far as servers and things like that go, I don't know how this will all pan out in that aspect, but as far as being in the home and in our cell phones, Flash is here to stay and any improvement they make on it, yes, that would be spectacular. So all right, we are wrapping things up here. Uh, this is the Geek With Envy podcast episode number 8. I am Richard Vincenzi Jr., and I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. As always, you can visit us on uh, at www.geekwithenvy.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel, uh, which we will be adding some more original content soon. And also, don't forget, you can always subscribe to us with the RSS feed button. Right there on the front page, you can get our, uh, uh, right into your RSS reader of choice, we can get our latest headlines pumped right to you, and again, you can always, uh, we ask that you subscribe to our podcast, so if this is the first time you're listening to us, you can subscribe, and you will never miss a podcast. In fact, if you're subscribed, you will get them earlier than everybody else, because iTunes uh, does take a little while, not very long, but can take a little while for the latest podcast to show up. But if you're subscribed, it will almost instantly be downloaded. Uh, so yeah, thank you once again for listening to the Geek with MB podcast. I'm Richard Vincenzi Jr., and you have a great day.